Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Come to Daddy with Ruben Kay, the podcast about parents that puts the fun into family dysfunction and the kids into I'm taking the kids. I don't want to say I've got daddy issues, but my psychologist said I'm not allowed to pay for my meds with the furry checkbook. Nope, absolutely not. That is vile. I don't have a therapist. I was just worried that no one knows what a checkbook is. I like my payment to be like my sex life, contactless. Welcome to Come to Daddy, the podcast for people who ask the big questions. Are the sins of the father inherited by the son? Does mummy know best? And how can I blame my parents for everything so I never have to take responsibility in my adult life? It's a funny old world we live in. Politicians talk of moving forward. Historians want us to learn from the past. Therapists want us to move on. And my vet won't stop asking me to please return the key to the opioids cabinet and wash that shoulder-length rubber glove. What I'm trying to say is we've all got things going on. And I don't know about you, but Greek mythology, Abrahamic religions, creation stories around the world speak of the great mother and father, the creators of the universe. And as we hurtle or hurdle, depending on how strong your knees are, towards a pick-and-mix shuffle of an apocalypse, we ask, was this always the plan? Did the great mother and father in the sky know we'd cock it up this bad? And therefore, is it actually their fault? I know it's heavy, but I've mixed up my codeine in my Barocca today, and I think I snorted the wrong one. Also, I've got an audiobook of Dante's Inferno on double speed right now, and I don't even speak Italian. Parents. That's what we're boiling down to. What are they? Why are they? Where are they? And how were they to us? In Come to Daddy, I interview comedians and celebrities and ask how they have been shaped by their parents. Are they a metaphorical Michelangelo's David, standing proud, tall, timeless and perfect? Or are they a dropped steak baked from Greg's that's been run over by a Fiat Punto? Joining me in this crusade against the cruel, cruel confusion is my producer, the one who holds my heart and the remote to my shock collar. It's Amanda Sangorski. Hello. 
How are you this week, Amanda? Um, I'm very well, thank you. We're in a different environment here today. We're in a studio because... um, Because we've made it. There are some... There's a few pence on our monetising. We've made something. Um, We've made a bit of money. We've made about £9. Great. And that's enough for me to have a, a vibrant and mobile stock portfolio and three investment properties? I'm afraid I've already spent it on um, hormone replacement therapy. Which hormones are you getting replaced? All the ones that got drained out and left me like an old husk. (coughs) I I don't know. I just take what I'm told. Well, you know what they say, you know how to make a hormone? Absolutely not. Moving on. Who have we got today on the podcast, Ruben? Oh, my God. Today I'm so excited. She's a winner of an LGBTQ plus upcoming comedian. I've seen her work. It's hilarious. Charlie George, have you heard of her? Yes, I've done a couple of things with her and I've seen her in stand-up. She is incredibly funny. Quite an unusual, well, unconventional upbringing. I won't, no spoilers here, I'll let her do it. Do you know what the joy about this, mm. this program is that I find? I find that we continue to discover comedians with just the, or people even, not even just comedians, with the most unusual upbringings. And in a way, we kind of go, oh, well, then there is no normal. No, and I think Charlie is a really good sort of litmus test of that. And because because I think you're you know you've said this to other people we've talked to, but there's been too many well-adjusted upbringings in this podcast. <laughs> and you go, that's great, Rosie Jones. Yeah, yeah, Sarah Keyworth. They've all had these great positive upbringings. Oh, no. And Daniel Fox as well, and which Daniel is Fox, and the he's list objectionable. Goes yeah, yeah, I, I'm. He's horrible. He's oh. oh. Oh, yours ever so much the peacekeeper. I'm going to be the professional. I'm starting here. it up here. Daniel Fox and I are in a feud. I would like to. It's honestly, it's like Bet and Joan. It's. <laughs> uh, it's. Uh, I love how yes. all the references we have for this podcast ensure that our listening base is elderly homosexuals. Yes, or hormonal women. Same thing. Right. Um, but back to Charlie. She's got a podcast, and there's, there's quite a funny story about it a very short story don't worry and this isn't about me correct tell me that afterwards um but it's called happiness and how to get it it's a well-being podcast but she wanted to call it despair and how to release its death grip (laughs) but she was told that wasn't viable so that this is what this is the charlie we are about to. i'm keen for that well let's all meet her oh that means i have to yeah it means you have to fuck off okay So let's get into it. My guest today is an award-winning young comedian who has already won multiple awards. She was the LGBTQ New Comedian of the Year, written scripts for Netflix, not bad for someone who grew up going door-to-door as a Jehovah's Witness and left home at 13. Join us as we get to the bottom of her obsession with TV news anchor Trevor McDonald. Charlie George, come to Daddy. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for this. I feel like this podcast was made for me. I've got trauma for days. Finally. (laughs) We have had too many guests with supportive parents and happy upbringings. No, I heard about this and I was like, what's going on? How did they land in comedy with this lack of divorce in their lives? This is it. Do you know what they are? Not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. They're going to come for me for that. We start every episode of Come to Daddy with what we call the parental questionnaire. Short answers only. Mm Mm-hmm. Names of parents? My mother is called Heather. 
named after a flower in the Highlands. People don't believe I have ginger cousins, but I am a quarter Scottish. Stop it. Yeah, I know. Fantastic. Ages of parents. Mm, I do not know the ages of my parents. Ages of parents are a mystery to kids. It's interesting when they don't know or they do know. Do other people know? Well, basically, because my mum is a devout Jehovah's Witness, she doesn't celebrate birthdays or Mother's Day, which makes getting gifts really easy. But she does celebrate the apocalypse. She's been celebrating that for a long, long time. You know what? Celebrate the things you're sure will happen. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Who needs Christmas? Just doomsday. And where do they, <laughs> where do they live? Oh, uh, so my mum lives in Swindon. Oh, and my father's named John. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to say it was after John Smith, like another, you know, who also took something Indian and made it his own. Right. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that that's the real reason why he ended up with an anglicised name. But it, my father lives in America and my mother lives in Swindon. Amazing. I mean, that's a parallel, isn't it? Yeah. Sisters or brothers? I have an older sister called Lisa. Just one? Yeah. Okay. You Uh, give middle child vibes. Really? There's a sense of like yearning and trying to be like accepted and forging your own path, but not the selfishness of an only child. No. And not sort of like the demand of the baby. Oh, I don't know. I think I could be, yeah, yeah. I think my sister would definitely say that I'm a baby child. (laughs) That's a relative thing. My (laughs) older brother also thinks I'm demanding. My sister is like the absolute opposite of me. She was a really like parentified one who's really responsible and super straight and married babes. And I'm like, I was like the one who's like just constantly changing. And Uh, my brother is married with a house and a dog in Thornton Heath. And I'm the one who is sort of like artistically homeless. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. Here's a question. Oh, God, a bracelet has run off like that. Something's flown off. I'm surprised. Surprised it didn't just hit me in the face like my dad. No, I'm joking. That didn't, that didn't happen. We've hit, we've gone straight into parental abuse. No, I knew so I was going to be naughty straight away. And I also have this thing where like I will try and interview you because I will feel uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean with being the? I'm into it. I'm totally verse. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll switch for you. Great. Thank you. Here's a question: How much, as a percentage, do you blame your parents for how you turned out? I was thinking about this, and I think it's I think it's fifty fifty. I think I fifty percent blame them for how I turned out, and then I I saw their you know level of unstable ground, and then I raised them this hot mess. <laughs> like I just I I did the rest myself in the intergenerational game of poker. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I was like, I see you, and I raised you. And let's see how far <laughs> we can take this. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely me. I love, I love. So, your mum brought you up as a Jehovah's Witness. Yes. So my mum, I, I don't really know how she got into it. I think she had a Bible study when she was really young after my dad left. And then we started doing it. And it was just like, my sister has memories of there being a Christmas tree, which I am very jealous about. So she remembers that oh, being God, in no her house. Christmas. But no Christmas, no birthdays. Uh, I think basically no blood transfusions. We just have to bleed out basically for God. Um, but I try and relate it to people in this way at the moment because we were talking about like how to try and relate this to other people because it's quite a strange way to be brought up. So I'm mm. like, you know, like what your parents might have wanted for you, like a good job, uh, a nice relationship. Well, my mum wanted that, but also for me to go door to door trying to get 144,000 people to be saved from the apocalypse. So right. that was just the add-on. <laughs> Here's the homework. Here's the extra credit. Yeah. I just love any religion that's like, you know what I want for my young girl? Just go knocking on strangers' doors. Don't. Because the thing is, basically, we... I'm growing up in, like, Wiltshire in Swindon, which is its own... I think it's been described as the asshole of the country. Like, <laughs> basically, we used to go door, to, door knocking to racists in the Wiltshire countryside. But I have to say, the worst part of it was wearing a skirt, Reuben. Like, for me, personally, wearing a skirt, like an Amish person, because it was abominable. 
Oh yeah, you're not a skirt person. No, no, Just no. in the cameras, yeah. show these. Um, this is God, these are this is a trouser. <laughs> This is a trouser. And I'm just guiding my leg. I but just, this is yeah. also like amazing hamstring flexibility. For those who are only listening and not seeing, Charlie is wearing like lurid purple sequin tiger skin capri <laughs> pants with a velour ribbon detail down the side. Yeah, but that was my big beef with being Jehovah's Witness, basically, is I think from a fashion perspective, abomination, like all round, like really, really gross outfits. Me and my sister He's... on a doorstep with this white lady sort of reviewing us, and you have a religious script and you're dressed like you know kind of like a 1950s housewife right they want you to be modest and conform to gender roles and so like lurid colors aren't allowed or celebratory colors sequins nothing no it's interesting how religion seems to always want you to look as plain as possible as if that's going to draw people in I know. I just think improve the sales pitch. Like, if you want to do it, do some singing and dancing. Like, have people in the flames and be like, look, the apocalypse is coming. Like, join us. You know, you don't want to be stood there looking like you're so bored. Like, if you come on Noah's Ark, I will bore you to death. Like, that is, like, you don't want that vibe. Like, look, the apocalypse has central heating. None of your houses do. Come on board. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Okay, so so your mum was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm. She was sort of the forefront. She was converted to Jehovah's Witnesses. Is that how I refer to it? She was witnesses. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of them. Um, so many around the world. She had a Bible study group, and she was like, "This is it. This is for me." Now all of my kids have to have it. Yeah, but I don't know where she got it from. Maybe it was from the religion itself. But yeah, it was definitely like a dictatorship. Was your pet, did your dad kind of join in on it? My dad is a staunch atheist. He's like Richard Dawkins, God delusion, like atheist vibes. I how don't did, know. How did his, did your mum have a magic met, vagina? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we like to say. And she handed it down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, like I think they met before she was religious. Yeah. And my mum was in the civil service. I think she was fun. I think she Well, there's get anything to make you then. turn to God. It's the civil service. It's the civil service, basically. And, and uh, my dad was a Lothario. Oh, really? So I think it was. Me and my sister have this funny theory. We're like, does she really believe it or is it revenge? Just imagine that, like believing in God for revenge because the divorce was tough. That's commitment. I know, it is really committed. When was the divorce? Um, We were really young. I can't remember, like sort of under... Under eight or something, and then because I, I do remember my dad trying to come to religious meetings, but it wasn't his it wasn't his bag at all. He's mm. very much like he's a, he's a scientist. <laughs> but what, and what, what's he a scientist in? What is he science? Well, he was just in a like I don't really know because we were really small, but he was like in in laboratories when right. we were younger. So my, I think he's like a microbiologist or something. And did your mum and dad then therefore have then therefore that's English, um, then therefore have like discussions, arguments, or conflict based on their conflicting beliefs? They must have. That must have been a big part of them leaving. But I think it was more to do with uh, the affairs (laughs) (laughs) than than the other stuff. But he left. And then basically we we just went through this phase where I'd seen a picture of my dad in NHS specs. And I just thought, oh, my God, he looks just like Trevor McDonald. So, you know, like how everybody lied about having a dad at school, especially at my school. So I just started telling people that my dad was Trevor McDonald. Uh, that's a logical jump. And I was like, well, he's away a lot because he's reading the 10 o'clock news. And so I was just like, he's a busy, he's a busy man. That's it. So my dad just sort of left and then I started projecting onto Trevor McDonald. And then my... That seems healthy. Yeah, that seems fine. And then my mum, I, I describe her, she became more and more like um, a cross between Rabsy Nesbitt and Hyacinth Bouquet. That's <laughs> how I describe my mother. Yeah. Like that's... a sort of angry, drunk Scottish woman shouting about Jesus in a Laura Ashley dress. Like my mum is very like... She's got these like weird little things like 
she collected porcelain dolls, okay? And I'm still not okay about no, this. No, no. So it was I, like a Stephen King novel yeah, in our misery. living room. Did she like have a hobbling a little, post? Like, it was like in like a cabinet of just these kind of like dead-eyed dolls. I was just like, there was some stuff. There was some stuff. I figure that it's a, it's a very short trip from collecting porcelain dolls and locking them in a cabinet to sort of kidnapping and murder to becoming <laughs> Buffalo Bill or Cape Fear where you're lowering lotion into a hole, being like, it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose. I know. It's proper like horror movie stuff. And so I started having these nightmares that she was going to turn me into a white porcelain doll and I was telling my sister about that. And she was like, no, she's not going to do that. She's just going to try and make you straight. <laughs> That's what my sister used to say. And it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. When did you come out? Ooh, Have you come out? Uh, well, I, it wasn't really a coming out. Did you it, need to? <laughs> it, it was so embarrassing because, like, well, me and my sister used to share a room. And so all of her stuff was, like, you know, Paul Nichols and all of this kind of, like, boy bands and take that and stuff. And she cried about them. And I just had, like, Xena Warrior Princess and, like, lots of images of, like, <laughs> really, like, women in leather. Just quickly, how old are you? Uh, I'm in my 30s. <laughs> you knew those. Same. I'm in my 30s. Xena <laughs> Warrior Princess was sort of one of the first queer people on TV that I remember. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I'm attracted to this level of outward manifestation. Mm. Like, fuck, I want to be in a little leather kilt. Yeah. Throwing a, the, 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 the hollow discus and yeah. having, like, a Twinkie sidekick. Yeah. You either want to be here or you're like, wrestle me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, there was that. And then basically I, I had like a secret girlfriend at school when I was really, really young. And I made a poor choice. It sounds like a Mills and Boone novel, so it's so embarrassing. But basically I was having an affair with like the school governor's daughter. <gasps> and we got found together at a sleepover. And after that, I was the, that was the sort of beginnings of me moving out of home, actually. When you were just, oh God. Because we, we were found together just like making out and, you know. Being young and experimental. Sure. <laughs> you know? sure. Like, we're just talking. We're just practicing. Normally, we're only really allowed to hang out with religious girls. And so you kind of had to really beg and plead and like get to the point where like we were allowed to do something with someone oh, no, from school who right. wasn't. And then, yeah, it was dangerous. It was like, oh, no, the devil's work is... <laughs> it's always funny, isn't it? It's the devil. It's not you. It's the outward blame of, oh, it's the devil. Yeah. It's never like a socioeconomic cause. It's never gender and sex. It's never like a human thing. It's never like, oh, it's my fault, not fault, but it's never this behavior. Has led to. It's never cause and effect. No, and I think that's the, probably the most dangerous hangover of my upbringing is that like I think religion teaches you that your desire is wrong, mm. and that makes it so exciting. So I've spent the rest of my life just incredibly horny and going after things that I sort of probably I'm like oh no I shouldn't but I should but then you know because it confuses that whole part of your brain that to, it's natural to have desire and to yeah. have pleasure. But but if you kind of think oh my god if I eat the apple original sin. But I'm always like come on don't put. Eve naked in the garden with fruit if you don't want Correct. me to finger her, you know? like that's. Uh, is that John 3.57? Yeah. Yeah, Genesis. After, after you were discovered and taken home from... After you... I love this. After, I didn't discover it about myself. I knew it about myself and I was discovered. Yes. What was the relationship like after that? And you said you left home pretty soon after? Yeah, there was lots of kind of just fighting and like trying to stop. So basically it was like I had to go to, I was forced to go to Bible study after that. And it was like the pressure was on in the religion. If anything, you don't want your fingers flicking through pages after that. No, I know. And I'm like, actually, the Bible has loads of like sexy women like Jezebel and stuff like that. So I was like, maybe that's not the best place for me. But there was pressure of that. And then like, would I get baptized? And I thought the moment you that they're going to put. No, not yet, because you get baptized at a certain age and they take uh. you to like. 
these big like assemblies and stuff and you're sort of witness oh, and they mass dunk, baptism and they dunk you in the water waterboarding for Jesus yeah basically and I th- I was practicing in the bath because I thought what's going to happen when the water hits and I just sort of I just simmer and burn like that's what I thought was going on so I was just practicing with my goggles in the bath thinking no this can't happen and so it was kind of a weirdly mutual decision I didn't want to burn in hell and a soft boil with goggles is a really <laughs> great like practicing for your baptism with goggles is great. How long were you thinking they put you under for? I don't know. Or did you feel like, she's gay, hold her down? <laughs> I was trying to sort of extend my lung capacity. I just thought I didn't know what would happen. So I thought maybe they'd just keep my head under for a little while and see what happened if I turned into something else. But um, So it was getting out of hand. And I think my mum's relationship was volatile anyway because my sister was much more placid. And she mm. basically was very good at having secret boyfriends. Like, you weren't allowed to have sex before marriage, obviously. Um, I don't know what their views were on fingering at sleepovers. but the, So my sister had to have these chaperoned <laughs> dates with Jehovah's Witness boys. And I remember her sat in a car outside the front of our house with the lights on, the engine running, and my mum would be stood in the window. This is the weirdest thing ever. And I remember this memory of just like, my mum stood chaperoning from the house and they would be having sandwiches and a flask. And I was like, this is the driest day I've ever seen in my life. And now it's time for an ad break because nothing says genuine introspection like commercial capitalism. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What was the conversation like when you moved out of home at 13? Like, why? What was the kind of... 13's young. Oh, we'd already got to, like, screaming arguments anyway, because basically I had discovered evolution. So I'm also... Did, I, you'd not learned about it. You discovered it. Well, yeah, it was me. It was just me. I'm the next... No, I was a nerd. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I was really nerdy. And, like, I found out um, recently that I am autistic. So I used to spend a lot of time in the airing cupboard just reading books. And suddenly it's recontextualized my whole life because I, I thought I was communicating effectively. But it turns out not everyone starts a conversation with, what's your exact salary? Like, that's just not <laughs> what people do. So I am on the spectrum and we're sort of riddled with, with autism in our family. So I was kind of reading all these books and learning about evolution and then fancying girls and stuff. And so I was already asking questions about the religion before the school governor's daughter thing happened. I'd been like, I don't really want to go to meetings anymore because I think dinosaurs exist. And can we have a conversation about this? And my mum was like, no, <laughs> if you want to live here, you need to do this. Did you have the option to live with dad? Well, my dad lives in... Oh, I would have loved that because he lived for a while in, like, Seattle. Well, I think they're still living in Seattle, which is, like, really cool. And I was, like, a grunge kid, so I was like... This Seattle seems like amazing. a great fit. Yeah. 
But um, no, like he'd kind of moved out with uh, his new wife and kid, and they, they they like so I've got a stepbrother, and I think there was a small period of time where like I asked about that, but it wasn't really going to happen. So no, I just kind of was off on my own after that. Right? Did you after the divorce? Did you have a relationship with Dad? He wasn't around. He was he was around for a period of time, and then but he was trying to get his green card for the states a lot because his partner was right. fr- from America, so they were working on that for like a long time. And so he was just away for long periods. I'm, it's just a kind of classic thing that me and my friends talk about when they have similar dads of like I see dad when he has air miles or a business meeting within a five mile radius of where I am. Sure. I remember once being in the car with my dad, and he was just like, and I call him my mate dad, and he was like, oh, would you like a cigarette? And I was like, no, I'm. 15. <laughs> I need to sort of have to remind him. Sometimes he was, you know, just not aware of certain things sometimes. Um, so, no, that wasn't really going to happen. There was this family. So what happened is I sort of got funneled into the arts by my, um, my, my drama teacher at school. There's always, like, a drama teacher who saves the lives of kids with yeah. Zip Zap Boing. And um, he sort of funneled me into the arts. And he was like, you should go to circus school in Bristol because you're doing all this clowning and you're making up all these characters and doing comedy stuff. So I, I, got, I ran away and joined the circus. So that's what I did. And then also, like, I, I stayed with a lot of, like, middle-class white hippie families in Bristol who sort of shaped me and made me this weird spiritual hot mess where, like, I'm terrified I'm going to become my mother. And, like... I don't think I'll become religious, but I definitely have, like, had dangerous magical thinking. That's... You know, where you're like, ooh, I'm going to go and do this thing with the shaman. Why? Because the, these families that I were with were super hippie. Yeah. Like drum circles, white dreadlocks, all of that. No, no. Hard no. <laughs> Hard no. A white dreadlock, crystals, it all starts to go wrong there for no, me. No, drum circles, like, all of these kind of mad things. But now, like, I'm not really into that. Like, I kind of went to India and had that kind of pilgrimage, and now I'm much more sort of uh, cynical again and not into that magical thinking. How does that, how does questioning of religion and faith kind of tie in with autism? Mm, well, I only found out, like, really recently and got assessed and stuff. Um, it was so embarrassing having to get back in touch with my mum for, like, the adult assessment. She was, like, so unhelpful and intense. She was just like, oh, you know, but you were never, um, you were always obsessed with girls. You were never into trains. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, yes, mum, I know that. It was so embarrassing, her, like, telling telling um, the assessor stuff like that. And then I was like, yeah, I was always obsessed with girls. But I have noticed all of these things of, like, um, kind of preferring like non-verbal stuff so it's mad to me that I'm doing stand-up I'm fe- feeling more comfortable in like nature and with animals or other stuff because they don't ask challenging questions like where were you when 9-11 God, happened <laughs> you know, stuff like that. the um, deer asked me where I was when Kennedy was shot <laughs> exactly um, uh, so I just I'm realizing that some of the ways that I communicate in the world or other stuff, like things that I've struggled with over time was like what have led me to trying to get an assessment and things. But I think it's just we're realizing more and more because more and more people and especially Mm. artists that I love are like getting diagnosed and talking about this on stage because when something wakes up, it's like it wakes up for everybody, right? Because we're like that. So now I noticed in Edinburgh, so many people are talking about ADHD Mm -hmm. and autism and having these things. And then you always have those kind of old crooners who are like, in my day, we just threw ourselves down the stairs and it was fine. And (laughs) sexual harassment was how you knew you were doing well like you know and it's like yeah okay but we kind of want to evolve so like these labels can be helpful for people to understand stuff so they're like you know we never had this diagnosis and now everybody's got a diagnosis but I'm like because people need to know 
and understand themselves. And I think it's helping people realize that there actually are. I don't know that there is a normal brain. That's I don't my think thought there is a normal moment. brain either. I think, as you say, it's all on a spectrum. Everyone has varying degrees of how they cope. It's going to be very interesting to see how approaches to medication and social behavior, and if systems change, will we need as much medication? Like if there's support mm. available and as we all understand how brains work, we realize that there is no normal. Yeah. I love that idea. But what I love about neurodiversity that I found, in in relation to the religion stuff, I just think what I love about... Well, a lot of queer people are neurodivergent, mm-hmm. and I've been reading more about that. So my partner's like um, trans and non-binary, and we prefer the Australian term, obviously, non-bino. Um, and that. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, you know, a lot of that, there's a lot of crossover because I think you're looking at the world in a really different way. Mm. You're questioning things, you're challenging stuff already, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs that have that type of brain set because they're like, well, why would I go to work from nine to five when I could work at any time mm. of day or create stuff or innovation? So I think we're going to start to see that it's a really beautiful way of thinking. Now let's take a break from the chat and delve into the mouth-watering selection available at the Come to Daddy Pick and Mix. Peppermint Trauma, Caramel Cream Delight, or the Sticky Toffee of Nostalgia. And please, wash your hands. You have chosen Are We There Yet? Daddy, are we there yet? Disastrous family holidays or ones that just stick in the memory like they stick in the craw? Have you got a family holiday story for us? Well... All we used to do on family holidays uh, were we, we could only go to afford to go to the UK, so we had a lot of caravan holidays in the rain, like eating sandy pasties with goggles on and the wind. And uh, it was just like I, I'm really showing my age now, but pre-Instagram, the only way you knew you could have a good time was like collecting pebbles. It was mm. like, how are we going to remember the trauma of Western Supermare? I guess by these dirty pissed-on stones. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> So like that's that's how we used to remember holidays, kids. Like uh, before photos, and then me and my sister were so bored one year in this like rainy caravan, um, and we had we basically were trying to create games to like spice up our lives. And basically, I was fire eating long before circus school, and we used to have this game. And I still think you should do it if you're really bored. It's called spoon it, knife it. Chomp it. Do you want to hear what you have to do and spoon it, knife it, chomp it? In the I'm caravan? still stuck on the idea that you, as a young Jehovah's Witness, were <laughs> fire eating. Like, if there was any proof to your mother that you were the devil, she had a lesbian daughter who <laughs> spat fire as a child. Yeah, yeah. That's that should be my 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 act in the circus. Should just be fire eating for that. For Whack it out. So, what is spoon it, knife it, chomp it? Spoon it, knife it, chomp it is basically you have a whole uh, tablespoon of like Scotch bonnet chili sauce. Ridiculous. You take that in your mouth, then. Knife it is you do a line of marmite off a knife, okay? Then chomp it, stack of Jacob's crackers, okay? You just have to eat them one after one. No water. We see who cries first. Spoon it, knife it, chomp it. People are gonna, we're, I'm gonna bring it back. I just feel like people come up with more and more creative ways to commit suicide. <laughs> that is vile. Why would you ever? Ever ingest marmite of any kind? Vegemite's much better. Oh my! Oh my God! Isn't doesn't it taste the same? Isn't no. it similar vibes? It's similar vibes, like but tar. also Vegemite has got like, like we use it to spackle roads. Um, Vegemite is um is a much thicker consist. Marmite has that drip. It's like a slightly fluidy, liquid, stretchy thing. I feel like you're applying knowledge from another substance here that I don't have an awareness of. So I'm gonna. We're moving move- on. <laughs> We're moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Shall I be mother? 
There's an eye dent there that'll go on. I don't know what it sounds like. Okay, and shall I be mother? This is where you get to stare into my beautiful, soulful eyes and pretend that I am your mother, your father, or a weird science lab amalgamation of both. <laughs> And speak truly from the heart. What would you say to your parents? I'm going to start with my mother. (laughs) And then I would tell my father, this is for you, Dad. What was it like being one of the country's most prolific newsreaders? (laughs) I love it! Charlie George, where can the Come to Daddy listeners find you? Uh, I am starting a comedy night uh, in my hometown of Margate called the Margate Queer Comedy Club. I'd love to have you perform one time. I would love Uh, to. And it's going to be, the launch night is on Thursday the 13th of April if you are in or near Margate or want to come to the seaside for some queer fun. Charlie George, come to Daddy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.